Good morning, church. My name is Jeremy Hetzel. I'm the director of student ministries here at Family of Christ. And as you've seen, this is Mission Sunday. This is the opportunity that we take once a year for our students to share some of their stories and experiences from what we experienced on our mission trips this summer. So before we dig into their stories, what I wanted to take a moment to do was talk about our theme for today, as obviously it is not James. So we are talking about what it means to be devoted. What does it mean to be devoted to something? And specifically, what does it mean to be devoted to following Christ? So as I'm thinking about this topic, I heard a story while we were on mission trip, actually, about a story that Francis Chan shared. Have you guys ever heard of Francis Chan? Two people have. <clears throat> Francis Chan is a pastor from San Francisco who started this huge, massive church um, from his living room, and it grew up into this big thing. So this is a story about um, a gang member that attended his church. It says this. Recalling a sober moment he had while at his church, Cornerstone Church, Chan said he baptized a kid from a gang, but that kid later left, though he was quite involved in the church. One of Chan's friends asked him, hey, how come you're not at Cornerstone anymore? And the gang member said, I didn't understand church. When I was baptized, I thought that was going to be like being jumped into the gang, where it's like 24-7, they're my family. I didn't know it was just somewhere we attended on Sundays. When Chan heard that, he said it made him sick. That makes me so sick that the gangs are a better picture of family than the church of Jesus Christ. I heard that story and I was like, ooh, that hurts a little bit. We, as believers in Jesus Christ, are called to love and serve everyone around us. And how devoted are we to living that out in our daily life? Are we as devoted to loving gang members as gang members are loving their own? Or do we approach coming to church as just like, well, on Sunday mornings, this is what I do. If I wake up on time, if I'm not out of town, um, if they have donuts and coffee, I'm much more willing to come. Um, how devoted are we? So as we talk about what does it mean to be devoted, I thought it pertinent to look at Scripture. Seems like a good idea. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, um, verses 42 to 47. If you have your Bibles or smartphones, you can pull them up. <coughs> Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. And as we read this, I want you to pay attention to what were the disciples devoted to. Okay? They, the disciples and believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything, everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
So there's a, there's a couple things that they're devoted to, right? They're devoted to the apostles' teaching. And what are the apostles teaching on? Proper hygiene? No. They're preaching out of God's word. They're sharing the gospel. They're sharing scriptures from the Old Testament. They are devoting themselves to the word. They're also devoting themselves to fellowship and to the breaking of bread, communing together, not just eating together, but taking communion together. They were devoted to this. Everyone was filled with awe and they had everything in common. They had a unified purpose and a unified goal and said, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to live. This is the number one important thing in our life. And every day the Lord added to their number. I think that's a great picture of what it means to live a devoted life. A life that says, God, you are number one and I want to pursue you. On our mission trips every summer, our students have an incredible opportunity to live a devoted life. We had two teams leave this summer, and every time we go on trips, our students team with an organization called Leader Treks. So Leader Treks is this organization based out of Chicago that equips students to lead while on mission trip. So our team that went to Honduras, that was the team that was gone for two weeks that I was on, the Honduras team, it was a level three trip. So with this trip, what we did was we had two student leaders, and those two student leaders oversaw six different teams, and each of those teams had two students. So the students planned everything. The food that we bought, who was working on what work sites, the VBS, students planned everything and then ran everything. So it's an incredible empowering experience for our students to get to walk out what it looks like to truly own and live out and share their faith. So this is the Honduras team. If you see the yellow and green brick building in the background, that is <coughs> their school. So the, the ministry that we teamed with is called La Providencia, and it is a orphanage, it is a home for orphans. And what they care about, number one, is giving orphans their best. So instead of just, hey, you 20 kids can sleep in this room and eat in this cafeteria and that's what you get, they want to give them their best. So they have built this incredible property, that's the school building in the back. The school is bilingual. So a bunch of the kids knew English, which made it very easy for me to communicate with them. Because I'm horrible at Spanish. So... What they do is they take a a couple that's married, they move into this home that they've built. They have three homes on property right now. They have these three homes, and then they have this married couple move in, and what they do is then they, if, if that married couple has one kid, they move into that house, and then they adopt, foster five to seven other kids. And so that family becomes a family living in that house. And then right next door, There's another house with another couple, with another six to eight kids, and across the street, and it's all the same property, okay? This ministry is amazing. This one day where this picture was taken, it had rained, and so we had to stop. We were building trenches because they're building a plaza to have flagpoles and a larger area for the kids to play, and it had rained, and our work site leaders, Nathan and Justin, said, 
Well, we have more work to do, guys, and I know it's wet and muddy, but we have work to do. And so we went out there and worked. And as you can see, they had a lot of fun and got a little muddy. It was a great trip. The second trip that we had that went on at the same time as this was a one-week trip to Dayton, Ohio. Not quite as far a traveling distance to go for that one. And this team of students went there to serve. There's this church there. What's the name of the church that does the ministry for the refugee kids? Huh? The Vineyard Church. Did you all hear that? Because I couldn't hear it. The Vineyard Church. So the Vineyard Church, what they do is they have this ministry for refugee kids. So there's a lot of kids from, was it Africa? Sudan. Sudan. There's a lot of kids from Sudan, lots of families from Sudan who have settled in Dayton. And both parents have to work because they're very busy and they have to earn money so that their family can survive. And so what this church has done is has this powerful outreach to these Sudanese families. And so because parents are working most of the time, the kids are just on their own. And so what they've done is they have teamed with leader treks and then the teams that come in and our students ran a VBS for them. So we kept them busy learning and hearing about God's word and then also doing fun stuff with crafts and games for three of the five full days that they were there. And they did it for a couple hours every day, just teaching God's word. So both ministries, super cool and awesome opportunities for our students to serve. So we are gonna hear some of their stories. So guys, if you would come up, my speakers... We have three student speakers. Nathan's going to start. And Michael, are you filling in? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. So hello, my name is Nathan Holmes. Uh, I was the worksite leader for the Honduras trip, and I was lucky enough to get to go down south there. Uh, I was the one in the blue shirt on the far right of the picture. You're right. And I was the one that told our team to your left, sorry, my right to uh, basically get in the trenches and start digging. And the way I did that is I jumped in and got all muddy. It was really fun. Um, but basically today I want to talk about devos and why we do them daily. So on the trip, um, Leader Treks established a 45-minute set time where we would do devos. And that time was not um, malleable. We couldn't change it. We couldn't shorten it. And so if we had been late to breakfast and the day was running late, we would still have that 45 minutes and it would make the rest of the day late. And so it was really important that we got that 45 minutes in. So the reason that we did that is because reading the Bible is like reading a letter that's written to you. So often we read the Bible as like a book where it's just for pleasure, but instead we need to read the Bible like it's a letter. It has your name on it. It's meant for you. So while in Honduras, we uh, were given by Leader Treks a few methods to study the Bible. Um, OPA, SPEC, paraphrase, newspaper, there's like six or seven, all of them. Uh, our favorite being OPA, and that stands for Observations, Principles, and Applications. So when we study the Bible, we're observing things that happen. And we take those observations and we put them into principles that God wants us to take. And in taking those principles, we apply them to our life. And it's really important that we do that. So one of the times that I did this was Friday of the first week. Um, and this day, as a worksite leader, we had planned to be pouring concrete in our first lab. And we had set forms, and we had rebar for reinforcement. And Josue, our worksite leader, our El Jefe, as he would call him, uh, basically came in and was like, no, you can't pour concrete today. And then so we worked on fixing our mistakes. And about an hour later, he was like, yeah, you can pour concrete. Let's go. 
So I went up to my team and we were full send, let's go pour concrete. And then I came back to Josue and he said, mm, nope, there's another mistake, uh, go back. So I had to go send my team back and they were pouring dirt and gravel into wheelbarrows and it was sucked. So usually in these situations when I'm wrong, my family knows I get very mad, like very mad. Um, you'd not want to talk to me and heaven forbid you go for a hug because I'll probably punch you. Okay, don't, don't try and touch me when I'm mad. But on this day, the morning of, the Devo had been about a crippled beggar. And he had sat out at the gates of Beautiful in the temple. And Peter and John were walking through on their daily uh, temple walk. And they, um, he basically begged for them for money. And they said, nope, you're not getting money. You're going to get something way better. And he gave them the Holy Spirit. And this beggar got up, and he was joyful. He'd been waiting his whole life. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move. And all of a sudden... He's walking and he's sprinting around. He's jumping. He's praising the name of God. And so what I took that from my uh, principles to my application was that I wanted to be peaceful in the day. So that's what I prayed for. And then God provided it on the work site. And it was amazing. So not only do we read the Bible, but when we apply it, it's very um, noticeable. And I'm pretty sure my team would say I was very peaceful about it too. We took, me and my co-leader, we took the blame for what had been going on. Even though the team, as a total, made mistakes, we hadn't taught our team how to do it. And we were very peaceful about it and patient with Josue as he corrected our mistakes. So don't just read the Bible, apply it to your life, and God will change your life. So I'm going to hand it over to Michael now to talk about intentional conversations. All right. That was loud. Um, so I'm filling in for Levi, um, so I'm going to read what he wrote. So good morning. My name is Michael Wolf. I had the pleasure of going on the trip to Dayton, Ohio. Intentional conversations can do wonders for you and the other person you talk to. Am I shouting? Oh, sorry. You don't necessarily want to do, or maybe you do, or you don't necessarily want to, or maybe you do, but you have to do it anyway because it breaks down barriers and it makes you closer as a family. We did that through accountability partners. Throughout the work site, we would assign uh, or rather choose someone to talk with as you work together. Um, uh, Levi, one day, had the pleasure of working with Joe Vizzani as an accountability partner, and they started out with a, uh, a light conversation, and that started uh, going into a deeper conversation to where they started talking, you know, about some really deep stuff. Um, and they centered really around their faith and what, how it impacted their daily lives. Uh, So it kind of, uh, when you break down barriers, you get to know each other better. We became really like family at Dayton. Uh, there, there were a couple times at team time we really got vulnerable. And uh, I really brought us together. Um, intentional conversations did not only happen with our team, but also with the kids. We served with the VBS. We had accountability partners with the kids as well. And we got to interact with them and find out who they truly are. Once we did that, we were able to teach them the gospel and how much they're loved. It was so much easier to talk to them after that. We were able to, as our team says, pass out the cupcakes. So our intern, Kevin, came up with this great analogy about passing out cupcakes. So imagine you're like the best baker in the world. And you make some mediocre, you know, pretty good cupcakes, but not the best you can make. You hand those out, but you don't feel very good about it. You don't want to do it. But if you you know, make really good cupcakes, it's a lot easier to hand out to your friends and family. It's kind of like sharing the gospel. 
So, so if you talk to someone, like your accountability partner, and they're going through something, like they've been keeping real secret, they can, I guess, they might feel more trustworthy if you pass out the cupcakes and spread God's word and love. So go have some intentional conversations and pass out the cupcakes. Here's Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah Curl, and um, I was on the Honduras team, and I helped lead cleaning team. You're welcome. <laughs> um, if anybody needs their dog's barf cleaned up, let me know. I'm here. Um, <laughs> so purpose over preference is doing what God wants us to do instead of what we ourselves want to do. Um, an example of that, on Adventure Day, we went hiking up a waterfall, and my biggest fear is water. It's coming down, there's this rope that you have to hold on to, you're climbing on these slippery boulders. I had a panic attack, I was so terrified. But I went because I knew that God wanted me to go. He wanted me to face my fear. Who here has had to face a fear? <laughs> yeah, it's not fun, not at first. <laughs> um, so the question to ask is, why? Why are you here? Are you here for you or are you here for God? And what better example of purpose over preference is there than Jesus Christ himself? He died for us, he didn't want to, but he knew that he had to because he loved us all so much. What better example could you ask for? So, yeah. <laughs> Give it up for our students. <clears throat> Don't we have great students? <clears throat> Good job, guys. And especially Michael for filling in last minute for Levi. That was, that was in the clutch. That was purpose over preference right there. <laughs> so, um, quick announcement. If you are interested in serving with our students and you want to get to know them better, this Tuesday I'm having a meeting to train anyone who would be interested in helping. Contact me, 5.30, Tuesday, here, if you want to serve students too. Okay. So... <clears throat> What I want to say is this, being a follower of Jesus means that we give our entire life to him, and we live in such a way that we are super devoted, and I wanted to close with a story that wraps up all three points that our students made that really fleshes this out. So while we were in Honduras, our intern, so Leader Trex has a staffer and then one or two interns on your site with you. Our intern was Kyle. Now, Kyle is a young man who knows God's word. In the first couple days that I was there, I heard him quoting it, mentioning it, teaching about it several times every day. I was like, man, this guy is solid. He knows God's word. Then I was stunned to find out that he'd only been a believer for like a year and a half. A year and a half. And he knew scripture so well that I would have guessed he'd been a believer at least 10 years, if not since he was a kid. So Kyle is a young man who is in God's word every day and knows it and God has hidden it in his heart, okay? So Kyle, <clears throat> he lives in Kentucky. His parents live in Wisconsin. 
he's feeling led that he's supposed to call and talk to his dad. Now, calling and talking to your dad, not a scary thing. Pretty chill, sometimes fun, sometimes not. Um, But mostly always, you know, just pretty chill, right? Well, Kyle, in his praying and meditating on God's word, is feeling led that he needs to have a conversation with his dad, and he needs to say something like this. Dad, um, I need to tell you, I, I, I think you need to love mom better. I, I, I want you, when you get home, to serve mom and love her, regardless of how she treats you. So Kyle is feeling this burden on his heart that he needs to have this conversation with his dad. Now you can understand this would be a a hard conversation to gear up for. If you really felt like God was calling you to do that, that'd be a crazy hard conversation. Not only just with anyone, but your dad, talking about your parents' marriage. Because he had noticed that his parents' relationship was not strong like it had used to have been. It was in a really rough spot. So he prays about it, and even any of the discomfort he feels, he follows the principle of purpose over preference, and he goes, no, God, you're calling me to do this. I'll do this. So he calls. He talks to his dad. His dad's driving in the car. They talk like five or six minutes. His dad says, all right, all right, son, I can do that. They get off. Months pass. It gets to be about November time. He's home for Thanksgiving. And his dad says, and he notices his parents' relationship is a little bit better. Not perfect, but better. And his dad says, son, can we talk? And so they go for another ride. They go for a ride in the car. And his dad says, son, when you called me that day, remember when you called me? I was driving. I was on my way to my lawyer's office. And I was going to file divorce paperwork. I was on my way when you called. And because of your call, I knew God was calling me to give this another chance. So he goes home and he starts loving on his wife even when he doesn't feel it. And he loves her and she forgives and they forgive each other and they love some more. And now, so this is November this last year, so now Kyle is telling us this story in July. So it's been eight or nine months. His parents' relationship is back to where it was and even better than it used to be. When we, as disciples of Jesus Christ, are devoted to him and we are in the word and we are willing to have deep conversations, not just about the weather or about our favorite sports teams or what's going on with the Broncos quarterback situation, but when we are dedicated, devoted to getting to know the people around us and having deep conversations, being real, being vulnerable, when we are willing to have the tough talks, God uses those. And when we say, God, whatever you call me to do, I'm going to be obedient, purpose over preference. What's your plan for me, God? And I'm going to walk it. The world changes. And think about what might have happened if Kyle wouldn't have called his dad that day. What if he had waited 10 minutes? What if he'd waited a half hour? His dad might have said, 
thanks for trying, son, but I'm in too deep now. I've signed some paperwork. I, you know, I, I can't go back. God called him to have a conversation. He obeyed and a family was restored. And now there's an incredible story for us that we are called to be in the word, speak the truth and listen and obey God, whatever he calls. So may we be a people that love God so much, that are devoted to God so much that he is our centerpiece and we follow him and are willing to do whatever he calls whenever he calls.